Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The person who's walking in wisdom is going to be a peacemaker. They're going to want to bring peace into situations where there's contention and strife. They're not going to add to that. They're going to actually bring a solution into that. But he speaks of them also being gentle and speaks of them as being compliant. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, in a message titled, Together for the Gospel. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You see, and that's the prayer for us, the servants of God, those who have been given that particular calling to be the mouthpiece, so to speak, to proclaim the word. We need, just like we need the Lord to open a door, we need him to move among those outside to prepare their hearts, to create the environment, the opportunity. We need him to do all of that, but we also need him once that everybody's assembled, we need him to then empower us so we can proclaim clearly the word. And so as I'm sharing this with you, I am asking you and inviting you and showing you from scripture that this is how we all work together for the furtherance of the gospel. I myself and our other pastoral staff, the guys who have that same gift to teach and preach, and and not just here at our local church, but of course, beyond this, all of those who have that gift, that the body of Christ, the people of God, who might not have that specific calling, but yet know that part of their calling is to pray for the opportunity and then the empowering to bring the word clearly as we should. And so this is how the whole body works together to further the gospel. And so the first thing we see as we're talking once again, and I've entitled the message today, transferring the gospel from church to culture. So we've got the gospel. It's here among us. We have a responsibility. We have a calling to get it out from here, out into the larger culture. And so we start with prayer as we see. Secondly, here as we go on and we look at the uh, fifth verse, Paul now says to everyone, he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom. The NIV, that verse reads like this. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Boy, I'll tell you, today we need wisdom in navigating this current cultural moment that we're in. We really need the wisdom of God as we seek to relate to outsiders. And and I can't think of a better way to elaborate on what Paul is saying here than to quote from 
the book of James. I, as I was looking over this and I was thinking about wisdom, I was thinking, uh, suddenly it just came to my mind, oh, that, that beautiful passage in James, the third chapter that speaks to us about wisdom and what the wisdom from above or what heavenly wisdom really looks like. And when we think of what Paul is saying here, walk in wisdom, this is the kind of thing that he's talking about. But let me say this, James in chapter three, he speaks of two kinds of wisdom. And remember, James is speaking to Christians and he's saying there's, when it comes to wisdom, there's two possibilities. He says that there is one type of wisdom that has beneath the surface bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition. He calls it a wisdom. It's a way of navigating life. It's a way of, you know, trying to be a Christian, but it's absolutely the wrong way to go about it. He says that this wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. So he's warning about a, a pseudo kind of a wisdom that can creep into the church. And just to give you an idea of what he might be talking about, you think of Paul's writings to the Corinthians. And remember the Corinthians were, they were all caught up in Sophia. They were caught up in, in the Greek idea of wisdom and what that looked like and what that sounded like. And there was a lot of pride. There was a lot of arrogance. It caused a lot of division. And it had people jockeying for position because of their ambition. And they wanted to be the best speaker in the church or the most famous leader. So that's the kind of thing that Paul's actually saying that that we're not to be involved in. James elaborates on it. But then James goes on and he contrasts that wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. And he says this, the wisdom that is from above or the heavenly wisdom. And this is what Paul means when he says walk in wisdom. He says is first pure, then peace loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere or genuine or non-hypocritical. You see, that's the wisdom that Paul says we are to walk in toward those who are outside. Let's read it again. It's pure, it's peace-loving, it's gentle, it's compliant, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it is impartial, it is sincere, it is genuine. You know, I think of a couple of words stand out here to me. I think of peace loving. You know, the person who's walking in wisdom is going to be a peacemaker. They're going to want to bring peace into situations where there's contention and strife. They're not going to add to that. They're going to actually bring a solution into that. But he speaks of them also being gentle and speaks of them as being compliant and so th- this is a wisdom. It's, it's not this aggressive in your face kind of a thing that sometimes we're seeing displayed among Christians today, but no, there's a gentleness to it. And, and there's a compliance. There's a willingness. To, the word compliant is also translated actually in, um, in I think uh, the New King James Version, which I'm using, it's translated willing to yield. And so it's one of those things as we walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, there are times when we need to yield. There are times when we need to, you know, not try to force our point or something like that. So 
That's what he's talking about. And we are to walk in wisdom, redeeming the time, or in other words, making the most of every opportunity. So every opportunity that we have in regard to those who are outside, whether it's people that we work with or people that we live in the same neighborhood as or people that we just happen to you know, know from whatever else we're doing out in our communities or even sometimes a complete stranger that we just meet while we're traveling or something like that, that there is opportunities there and we need to walk in wisdom and make the best of those opportunities. And then he goes on and he says, let your speech always be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace or let your speech always be gracious is another way that we could understand this word. And I want you to think about gracious. Graciousness or the word gracious, when you even hear the word gracious, the dictionary definition is marked by kindness and courtesy. That's the definition. A gracious person is a person who is marked by kindness and courtesy. You know, this is kind of going back to what I was saying a moment ago, but you know, one way we show courtesy to people, and, and I think this is really important when we're talking about, remember, we're, we're talking about people who are outside the faith, people who are outside the church. And the objective is we're trying to get the gospel to them. And so we are to be gracious. We are to be courteous. And one way to show courtesy is by listening. See, sometimes we're so overtaken with the idea that we have to get our point across, that we have to make sure that they understand that that we are right, that we miss some of these nuanced but very important things, listening. And, and again, going back to James, in James chapter one, verses 19 and 20, listen to what it says. It says, everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And and I have to say that in this moment that we're living in, I'm wondering, is our speech with grace? Are we really as God's people in relation to those outside? Are we showing kindness? Are we showing courtesy? Are we more quick to listen or are we more quick to speak? And I think that what we're seeing a lot in our current moment is we're seeing people who are not really wanting to listen and they want to speak. And then as a result of this, there's an anger that develops and somehow there's a misguided idea that this anger, some would even say, well, it's a righteous anger, is somehow going to produce what God is desiring. And James tells us flat out that it won't. This does not produce the righteousness that God desires. My anger, my insistence, my debating and arguing and coming down and being critical and all of that, that's not how the gospel advances. That's not how the kingdom is moved forward. Let everyone be swift to hear, 
swift to listen, slow to speak. And so again, let your speech always be with grace. And I want you to just notice that word, always. Let your speech always be with grace. There's not a time to become angry, to become aggressive verbally. There's not a time to try to shout the other person down or revert to, you know, calling names or, or things like that. We are not to do that as the people of God. We're supposed to be gentle and we're supposed to be courteous and we're supposed to pray and we're supposed to be respectful. And these, you see, these things are the things that make a difference. These are the things that people outside are looking in at and they're watching and they're evaluating and they're saying, you know, is Christianity real or not? Is it, is it an option for me? Is it something that I should think about? We know lots of people are thinking about their mortality. They're thinking about things that they haven't thought of before. And inevitably, that's going to lead them to think about the possibility of God. And the question then is, well, where am I going to find out about God? And if the church is all enraged and expressing anger and frustration and bitterness, then people aren't really going to be attracted in this direction. So this is our posture to always be gracious. Let your speech always be with grace. And then he says seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. What is what is Paul talking about here? Well, I think I think he's talking about what we sometimes connect together as grace and truth. We can be kind, we can be courteous, and we are to be, but we are also to speak the truth. And so I think when he says seasoned with salt, I think that he's probably referring to the idea of as we're speaking to people, we are, we're putting in that truth, but think for a second about what salt in the, in the ancient mind, when people thought of salt, they, they thought of three things in the modern mind. When we think of salt, we think of probably just one thing. We think of uh, something that we're going to sprinkle on our food, but in the ancient world, they thought of salt in three ways. They thought of it as a flavor enhancer, which it always has been and still is today. They also thought of it as a, a preservant. And that's what it was probably most well known for in the ancient world is without modern refrigeration and things like this. How did they ever keep their meat from going bad, their fish from going bad? Well, they caked it all in salt and salt preserved it. Salt destroyed the bacteria and kept it. So they were able to, you know, eat it at the desired time. And then the, the other thing, and this is true today as well, uh, salt creates thirst. So when Paul says that we are to let our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, I think probably all of those things come into the picture. That our speech is to flavor, uh, create some flavor, create you know, when you eat something, you know, when you eat something that's saltless, that's supposed to have salt on it, not everything's supposed to have salt, you know, it's very bland. And what do you want to do with it? You just want to set it aside and say, okay, I don't want any more of that. 
But you put a little salt on it and it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's great. And so as we are conversing, as we are seeking to share the gospel, there are those places where we are seeking by the wisdom of God to put in those little flavorings, if you will, that are going to perk people up and get them to be more curious about it. But then also there should be that preserving element that the things that we're speaking are actually preserving the environment around us and the things that we're speaking are creating a thirst for more. So we, we might be telling somebody a story about Jesus. And as we're doing that, we're wanting to pull them in and, and we're wanting them, you know, when, by the time we're done with the story, we're wanting them to say, no, no, don't keep going, keep going, tell us more. So I think those are the things that Paul has in mind here. So season with salt. And then he says this. He says, knowing how to answer each one. And that's important. Knowing how to answer each one. You see, as we pray, as we walk in heavenly wisdom, as we speak graciously, this will bring about conversations and questions we'll be able to answer. There's a, that great passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Many people are familiar with it. Perhaps you know it as well. Let me read it to you again. I'm going to read it from the NIV. But it says this, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect. So you see, as we are walking in wisdom and as we are being gracious, what's being, what Paul's implying here is this, all of this is going to create in the minds of people questions. And as people observe us, as they see our demeanor, as they listen to our tone and those kinds of things, they're going to say, hey, I want to ask you something. And as they do that, we then we'll know how to answer them. And as we are answering them, we are either planting a seed. In some cases, we're planting a seed. People have never heard any of this before. And, and now they've got a question. We're going to answer it. We're planting a seed. In other cases, we're watering a seed that was planted. You know, they might say, well, so I heard this, but tell me a little bit more or so the seed's been already planted, so we're going to water it. In some cases, people are going to say something like, I believe the gospel is true. How can I personally experience the gospel? How can I come to know Jesus? And we answer the question. So you see, that's what we are to do. We are to know how to answer each one. And as we pray and as we walk in wisdom, and as we are gracious, uh, we are going to know how to respond. So as we close today, let me just remind you, these are strategic times in history. We are living in strategic times. We're living in times like we have not known. Nobody in our generation has really known a time like this. So it's a unique moment in time. It's a strategic moment 
in history where the church has an opportunity to shine and show the beauty of Christ through the lives of the saints that are being conformed to his image. Now is one such time. This is like other times in the long history of the church. 2,000 years, there have been these key moments in church history where this was a moment where the church had an opportunity to really step up and really show the world what Jesus is all about, what the gospel is all about. This is a time. And the question is, are we going to miss it? Are we going to squander it? Are we going to blow it? Are we going to let it pass us by? Or are we going to capitalize on it? Are we going to seize the moment? And I think that if we, if we just took to heart the things that we're hearing in the passage that we're looking at today, if we, if we took these things to heart and we just seriously did this, we prayed and we put much more effort into our prayer than into our public complaints over social media or our ranting you know, amongst our friends about the current situation. If we just dispensed with that and prayed, I guarantee that we would see a, a, a better outcome. If we prayed that God would open doors Pray for those who God has called to speak forth his word. Pray that he would open unique doors, extraordinary doors, doors that wouldn't otherwise be open. Things that he would do things supernaturally, miraculously. Let's pray for those things. And then personally, individually, let's make sure we're walking in wisdom. And let's remember from James 3.17, what that wisdom looks like. This is the wisdom that we are to walk in toward the people that are outside. And we are to always be gracious in our speech. There's no place for this harsh rhetoric. There's no place for this shaming and and verbal mocking and, and these kinds of things that are becoming so common among Christians. There's no place for this. And if we would dispense with this, we would see a great work of the spirit in this time. I believe it. So let's not miss this moment by being prayerless, unfocused on the gospel, unwise and unkind, but rather let's pray, let's proclaim, let's be wise and gracious. And as we do that, we can in a sense stand still and see the glory of God. We're going to see God do something beautiful. I believe that. But the church, it's got to start with us. We have all of the ingredients, so to speak. You know, we have everything to, to have a beautiful moment where the church shines. We, it's all here. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We're able to repent and be forgiven. And we're able to be empowered to, to move forward. We have it all. Let's not miss it. Let's not squander the moment. Let's take it to heart and let's be in our generation people who successfully transfer the gospel from the church to the culture.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. I know there are so many people that feel like they don't really understand sometimes even the basics of the Christian faith. And a classic book on the topic was written by John Stott, and the book is called Basic Christianity. And this is one of my favorite books because it beautifully and simply but profoundly lays out for us just exactly what the Christian faith is. So I read this book several times over. I read it many years ago. I try to read it every now and again. It's a great book, and I want to recommend it to you, Basic Christianity by John Stott. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. You can order the book Basic Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.